DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk college football with Kyle Whittingham, the head coach of the Utes. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. I am curious, since I don't want to look back at the NFL draft, I want to look ahead to next year's draft. And people are already putting out stuff saying there are going to be at least 10, maybe a dozen Utes drafted. Do you have that many NFL guys? I mean, obviously, a lot of guys came back for one more year. Do you have that many NFL guys on your roster? Uh, you know, I haven't sat down and done a count, a head count of that, but I would say that uh, we're going to have a, a solid draft, whether it gets that high. Uh, I'd have to look through all the names, but uh, we've got some good players coming back, and we certainly had uh, a bunch of guys come back this year that would have been drafted in this draft had they opted not to, you know, come back and, and uh, come out uh, this year. But but uh, I got a roster right here in front of me. Let me tell you right now: one, two, three, four, uh, you know, seven, eight at least. I would think that'd be probably just an early ending, uh, early guess somewhere in that main range. So it's obvious man, your program has had no shortage of NFL talent. You've been open and speaking about that since you've gone in the Pac-12. It's got you into doors that you hadn't been in, and that has led to a number of NFL talent. My question for you is in this draft that's going on right now, we've seen a number of Utah kids that are obviously from the state, played high school ball here, but did not stay local and are going into the NFL. So it's become easier to get into doors. But how much harder has it been to maintain this high-level talent since the word is out, hey, let's go to Utah and recruit because they got pretty good high school football there? Yeah, we've got very good high school football here, and, and that's uh, been evident for, for a lot of years now. And it's it's doing nothing but getting better every single year. Um, when I first got to Utah forever ago, uh, you know, back in the 90s, there may be four or five uh, collegiate caliber players in the state of Utah. Now that, you know, some years we're upwards of 30-plus guys. And so, uh, you know, there's a, there's a ton of talent in this state. The high school coaches in this state are, are doing a great job developing that talent. And uh, it's it's... You know the, the word is out, as you said. I mean, there's there's uh, certainly the Pac-12 comes in here and and uh, you know tries to take people out, and then uh, you know we've got even you know the SEC coming in here, and so it's it's no secret anymore, and uh, it's a you know a highly recruited area for uh, for a lot of the Power Five conferences. I am sure you've had to deal with some negative recruiting when it's time to get quarterbacks or receivers. And, you know, their narrative has been thrown out by opposing assistant coaches or head coaches. Hey, they don't. Why would you go there? They don't throw the ball. Kyle loves the ground and pound, run the ball to win and all that. Why would you go there? Do you think the passing game this year has the chance, especially with, you know, Brewer, has the chance to change that narrative and and make those words really ring hollow, even if people want to repeat them? Well, you know, first of all, uh, you know, when you go back to the last two full seasons, 18 and 19, we threw for over 3,000 yards in both those seasons. And, uh, in fact, in 19, had the highest completion percentage in yards per attempt uh, of anyone in the Pac-12. And so I think that's a little bit overblown. Um, we have had some terrific running backs come through here. And I think the bottom line for us is you play to your strengths and whatever, you know, you, you tailor things to, to your personnel and, 
and we've had a good run of a really good run of running backs and and uh, so we've you know we've tried to feature those guys but but uh, going into this year to answer your question as far as uh, our ability to throw the football I think it's going to be you know a, a, a year where uh, that may be one of our strengths and so we'll have to see what happens but but uh, you know Charlie looked really good in spring and we got Cam rising that'll be uh, thrown into the mix this fall and so we really don't pay attention I guess the, the short version is or the short answer we don't pay attention much to what other people are saying we just try to get the best players in here that we possibly can and then uh, like I said uh, tailor things to to what they do best and, and go from there so you've been open about getting a receiver possibly even more than one through the transfer portal how is that going Going good, going good, and the portal is is saturated right now with players. There's 4,500 plus uh, football players in the portal now for Power Five or, or uh, Division One FBS. I think that number goes down to to uh, you know 2,000 or something like that. So it's it's uh, not you know as big a pool as as, as uh, it might sound like it uh, at first blush. But but uh, we're searching the portal every day and evaluating, and as is everyone in the country. I mean, it's no uh, you know, it's nothing that we're uh, doing and that everyone else isn't doing. I mean, it's something that is here to stay. It's free agency in college football is what it is, and that's that's exactly what it uh, has evolved to. And so we've got our eye to the portal every day, and, and uh, we're, uh, you know, evaluating everybody that comes into the portal every day that is of a, of a position that that uh, is of interest to us. And, and uh, we feel like right now we're uh, going to stick with that plan, you know, one or two receivers that will add to the program and and uh we still got uh, time on our hands you know it's only or time on our side i should say it's uh you know not even may yet so we have two or three months to to continue to search and and it, it becomes kind of a, a strategic thing you know you got a guy you may like but you know do you, you know if you wait and be patient you're going to find a guy you like better and so it's it's there's a strategy to it and you got to you know hope for the hope you make the right decisions but uh right now we think we're in, in a good place even though we uh, haven't officially announced anybody yet. We think that uh, you know, in the next uh, 30 to 60 days, we'll, we'll come away with a receiver or two that we really like. The portal is relatively new, and it really seems to be picking up speed. So do you ever see a name in the portal and think, man, I wasn't planning on using a scholarship on a guy of that position, but we got to go get that guy, or are people of that caliber not going into the portal? I think the latter, more so the latter. I think that... Uh, you know the uh, the uh, portal is mainly you know a lot of the guys in the portal are, are guys that uh, are not the number one guy at their position in the for example wide receiver you know if you're not the number one guy in your in your program and you think you should be and someone else is getting the majority of the touches well then you you know you think you may move on but but typically the you know the top tier caliber guys. Uh, stay situated and stay put for the most part. Now, there's exceptions to that, obviously, but as a general rule, I think that uh, most of them stay put. Anybody after spring ball from your program go into the portal? Not yet, you know, but uh, you never know. We had our exit interviews last week, and I met with all 130 guys, and that was a, a uh, daunting task. It took it took a lot of hours, but, but uh, right now everybody is uh, – in a good mindset, and and uh, you know, and indicated that they don't have any plans to to uh, move on at least at this point in time. But but that could change, and I would guess that by uh, you know by the time fall camp rolls around, we'll have had somebody leave. But we'll see what happens. 
You've built a solid program, obviously, over the years, but what about the sizzle, Kyle? Are you bringing Steve Smith back next year to catch a ball out of a helicopter to end spring practice? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good uh, ploy that uh, Arizona had going there, but, uh, Losers. you know, we don't... <laughs> like a true sun devil yes sir um you know i don't know we're not we're typically not a a, a gimmick outfit and, and that type of thing but but that was that was pretty uh pretty uh, creative and so uh, props to those guys even though pk you know is going to have a bad attitude about that <laughs> <laughs> i think steve would do it anything for fun you know it's such a business it's such a grind if you can figure out something to throw a little fun in there we will forgive you the occasional gimmick Absolutely. A little levity never hurts. Exactly. All right. Well, we'd love to keep you on the line and talk to you longer, but you literally have a bigger name on another line. Phil Steele coming up. We don't want to keep you from that. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, and I know he will, too. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Kyle. We appreciate a few minutes. Okay, guys. Take care. All right. There's Kyle Whittingham, who literally, as I look at the clock, has like 11 seconds to get on the phone with Phil Steele because Phil wants every second he can get too. Isn't it crazy in the offseason how popular guys are, PK? <laughs> it's the offseason. Uh, yeah, but if you uh, get an opportunity to get uh, some information, you're going to take advantage of it because guys have more time for interviews. Yeah. I mean, I used to get Majerus in the offseason. We would talk for an hour. Yep. Well, and uh, Phil will. I mean, he routinely yeah. tweets about that kind of stuff. Thanks to Coach for an hour and 15 minutes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I do think that uh, football, college football, is so huge that there is an offseason, we understand it, but you look at networks are televising spring games. Um, For some dumb reason, I watched the Alabama spring game the other day flicking around uh, just because it was on and there was nothing else. Obviously, it was a taped uh, version of it. It wasn't the live version. So college football is so, so gigantic in this country that it never lacks for interest. And as Yogi Roth has said, my wife was listening to him call a game once. I think it was the first game of the season. And I'm at the stadium. He's in the booth right next to me, but I can't hear him. She's texting me. This guy, this analyst, man, he's talking about how he loves Salt Lake because it's football crazy. And I've told you that Pac-12 people have told me that when I've been out on the road that they said, we absolutely love Utah because they're obviously a good program. But the attention and the interest that is there is something that, of course, everybody wants. And they have it here, which I think is a massive, massive benefit to Utah in its recruiting because kids want to go where it matters. You come here, it matters. There's no question it matters. And they've been able to get a number of guys in the NFL that way that they wouldn't have gotten before. Then Pac-12, they care. The program's in a good spot. I do think they need to do better as far as keeping top-end talent in the state. Now, it's not unique to Utah. It's around the conference, really. I mean, you look at it, it doesn't matter where you are. It's around the conference. And it just, for some reason, it stings a little bit more here in Utah because we're a smaller state, at least smaller population-wise. And so we can count the kids, the Sewells and the Wilson, the Fajoko and and the list goes on. I would need a list to name all the kids. And I think it's an issue. It's not particular to Utah, but it's an issue for all these programs that are pretty good programs but want to take the next step. 
Yeah, when you see guys going top 10 and they weren't at your school, how can that not sting? You know, some of it you can rationalize away. Hey, we can only take so many guys at that position. I think if Utah loses a defensive lineman out of state, it doesn't sting that bad because, honestly, they look like they're always too deep and sometimes three deep. And so if you're going to have another guy to plug in, well, okay. But if it's a kind of talent that is first-round NFL draft talent – that that leaves uh, a mark. I don't think it has to be just first round. Uh, I mean, NFL guys that are in state, you're expected to get them. You've got everything that you need and that they need, and I believe you're expected to get them. And it's a blow. It becomes that uh, because not only that, then is that if he's an NFL guy and he goes to Oregon, and it becomes he comes back to the community because a lot of the people come Haloti Nada lives in our community yep. comes back and they talk hey, a Utah kid eh, go call this guy he lives in your state he can tell you all about it and so it's it, steamrolls it clearly does because stanford has make a living off of recruiting return missionaries and yeah, you you want to know how we handle missionaries Talk to this guy. Talk to these guys. <laughs> and, yeah, right. And and, uh, and they'll tell you, man, I just loved it over there. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, they don't have the passion of Stanford football, but uh, everything else, the education, blah, 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 the place where you live because you're not – you don't have to pay to live there and buy a house. You're on campus or renting or what have you, and it's a dynamic place to live. And, it's, and it feeds off of itself, and you want to cut that off. As much as you can. That's why they put that stuff, the hometown heroes, and the billboards and all. They're trying to sell it to those guys. So I, I disagree. I think it's a blow to your program, and it's something you have to be aware of. Now, Utah has been able to overcome it, but the Sun Devils haven't. They have not been able to overcome it. And we'll see down the line, uh, partic- in Southern California, how it works. Uh, you know, you're going to have starting quarterbacks at Clemson and Alabama, most likely, uh, from being from Southern California. Well, that I, I just think I just think it hurts, man, and it, it's unfortunate. But I mean, I don't knock the kid. It's unfortunate from the school perspective, uh, and I and I believe that you know Trevor Riley. I've talked to him about it, and he's of the who's the Ben Cahoon gotten some controversy a few years back when he was recruiting for BYU. Don't go to Stanford. Uh, Then you come back here and nobody really knows you as much. Whereas if you come back, if you stay here and go here and come back here, then you're a big celebrity. So, and you can feed not just a celebrity, but you can actually benefit financially from that. So they got to get on it, but they've got a really good program and that's all that matters. And they're going to be in contention for the South, I really believe that. I don't know who's going to win, but I believe they're going to be in contention, and that's what matters the most. Do you think Brewer throws the ball well enough, and they win enough, and pile up enough yards and all that to knock down the "Hey, don't go to Utah, they don't throw the ball" storyline? I mean, Kyle clearly is already combating that. He had an answer ready, and it's because he's given it before. He's heard that. I know he has, and, and he had the answer ready so quickly. Well, he had those stats available immediately. Yeah, I think they can combat it, but it's up to the individual. You know, what? what is the individual thinking? Because they've got this freshman in there from Southern California now. The Tuttle was in the – it didn't work, obviously. But they got this kid here. And Troy Williams was an unusual situation with the transfers. Travis Wilson they got. 
so what they need, what they're looking for, is a big-time stud. But even if you get a big-time stud who goes riding into the NFL, uh, that doesn't mean you're going to get the next one or the next one because they had Alex Smith was the number one pick. You couldn't go higher than that. Right. And it's not like they rolled out a ton of guys after that. So it's up to the individual. And, and Costelli, what is he going to show? You know, I can say, well, sure, he came here because maybe he didn't think he could beat out the competition there, wherever there might have been. So I don't know. You know, they missed out on Jaden Daniels because they had Tyler Huntley, and the kid knew I could play as a freshman. And what's the difference? Uh, well, really, if I'm going to go out of state, what's the difference if I go to Utah or ASU? Not really a whole lot of difference. In fact, the issue is closer to his uh, family in the Inland Empire area. But I think it was about playing time and opportunity. So certainly Brewer, if he does what he does, helps. But I don't think it's going to open the floodgates. I think it's an individual decision that these guys make. And you just have to stay after it every day. I think it helps for running backs, for sure. Absolutely it helps for running backs. And it helps for the positions that they recruit pro professional guys to, and that's interior line and defense and running backs, which, man, you're you're covering just about all your football team at that point. If, they, if the passing game gets on track, look out! Yeah, but at what expense? You know, the passing game there for SC is all that now, but the running game isn't. Well, you're gonna have, you're gonna have everything, yeah, and I think their line. Well, yeah, yeah, that makes you. Alabama, Who has everything? Alabama and Clemson, and you're never going to be Alabama and Clemson. That's exactly. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I think it. I think at SC, the problem everyone writes about is the line play. You know that they have great skill position guys, but they don't dominate the trenches the way they used to. So, and, and I think that's more normal. You know, and there are plenty of people who tell you, yeah, if you're going to dominate at every position, you probably have to cheat. Everybody thinks the SEC is cheating. Nobody really wants to come out and say it, but everybody thinks the SEC is cheating. Uh, if you call breaking a rule cheating or bending a rule cheating, if you call you know academic fraud, so cheating has a wide spectrum. Absolutely. <laughs> and a, a text outside the time period when you're supposed to be contacting, in my mind, that's one thing, you know, cash and cars and did this player get a hundred grand or whatever? I mean, some of the allegations are massive. Well, they're getting cash. They're getting money one way or the other. And if you don't think so, you're naive. But and this is the way of the world, man. <laughs> so start start paying. <laughs> start figuring out ways to get them money. Make it uh, is is it prostitution, and we need to make it legal? <laughs> is that what that's what it's boiled down to? Because it's going to happen either way. <laughs> Name, image, and likeness that will legalize the flow of money. It won't stop the illegal quote illegal flow of money but it'll legalize a lot I, I hesitate i hesitate to use the word legal because legal legally legal right term. it's not a law thing but yes uh, well i mean it doesn't sound like a law thing and then all of a sudden there's a wiretap on a basketball coach who never considered it illegal i mean he knew it was against the ncaa rules but he i mean i gotta i gotta think that those coaches you know i, I can't even name all the schools that got hit but arizona and usc because i remember the pac-12 schools I bet those coaches didn't think, hey, I might get in trouble with the NCAA, but they never thought they were going to get in trouble with the FBI. <laughs> I just don't think they thought that. I don't think that was on their radar. Yeah, because who would do that? Right. And then all of a sudden, surprise. Yeah, right. And they paid a dear price for that. Yep. So, uh, 
bottom line is that Utah is it's probably going to continue to be who it is, and they're going to have to battle that. But I think they have more things that work in their favor as opposed to things that they have to overcome. Yeah, and I think the the passion of the fans is just uh, it's just a huge positive. And you can talk to the people who do the recruiting, and they'll tell you that Utah and Oregon have an advantage over the rest of the league for a kid who goes to one of those games for the first time, one of those out of state kids, right? And if any of the other ten schools are recruiting him, it feels different on the sidelines or in the stands at a Utah or Oregon game than it does anywhere else, unless. You know, USC's playing Notre Dame and the place is sold out. Well, unless you're winning, though. But I, I think you can get it. You can get it in Tucson and Tempe and the, in the Rose Bowl if you're winning. I believe you can get it if you're winning. And All right, got to find ways to win. DJ and PK, we will leave it right there for now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next... Everything you missed in this show, the NFL draft, Zach Wilson, the Jazz, the Suns, David Locke musing about the injuries and how shorthanded the Jazz could be in these final 10 games. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Dennis Dodd is with us from CBS Sports. I want to ask you about the Pac-12 Conference Commissioner search. How's it going? Yeah, it's not going well. They're screwing this thing up. I talked to a person yesterday who has intimate knowledge on the search, and it's a mess. They're considering having two commissioners, one that would deal with the ADs and one that would do more administrative stuff. Well, who do those people report to each other? I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I can come up with five very capable people off the top of my head right now that could do that job. Hire one of them tomorrow and be done with it instead of this drama process, but the longer they go, the longer it looks like they're going to end up with another Larry Scott. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I'm going to give it everything I have. You know, I worked uh, as hard as I could for this moment, and uh, there's not another team I'd want to play for besides the Jets, so I'm going to give it everything I have, and we're going to be a special team, baby. We're going for the Super Bowl. This is what I wanted all along, and I can't wait to play for really the greatest franchise in NFL history, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. Jimmy's our quarterback right now, and Trey's going to come in here. He's going to compete. He's trying to gonna do everything, and the day that it looks like Trey can compete with him and he's ready to go, then we'll know that. Our players will see that, and we won't hesitate on that, just like I feel like we wanted at any other position. Is there any scenario that you can see trading Aaron Rodgers this offseason? No, no, Ryan. I appreciate the question, but no, we're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is underway. Get rid of the contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. You just heard a montage from a big day in the NFL, mostly draft, not completely draft. You started off there with Zach Wilson, number two to the Jets, the Big Apple, baby. If he can conquer it for the Jets, well, it sounds impossible because nobody's done it, but it sounded impossible in Kansas City until somebody did it. They hadn't had success in 50 years, and they got the right coach, and they got the right quarterback, and they surrounded him with the right players and an excellent tight end and wide receiver and skilled players, and they got it done, PK. The Jets are coming off 2-14, and 14, but they're dreaming big, even though there's obviously a long way to go. Yeah, one of the great things about the NFL, I don't really believe that there's as much a market advantage as there is in the NBA. And so with that in mind, Kansas City's off the beaten path to an extent. They've gotten it done. 
Uh, I believe that anybody can get it done. Maybe even Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, of all places, can get it done if you have the right management and the right players and the right schemes and all that stuff. It's got to be pulling in the same direction, and if that's the case, the great thing about Zach Wilson here is uh, if he were to fail, well, what's new? But if he were to succeed, because if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, and that's the great thing about the opportunity that awaits him. He could really be a shining star. Now, we said the same thing two years ago or three years ago about Sam Darlin, who was taken, I think, third. And they gave up on him and jettisoned off to uh, Carolina. So I don't know that's going to happen. But the opportunity is really right in front of him, and it's tremendous. And it's going to be – he's a local kid, obviously. Going to be able to follow him. I I, I like the way he's handling it. I like the guys he invited. Invited his high school coach and three BYU coaches. John Beck was there. Uh, All the guys that helped him to a large extent. And he's remembering them. I think that's a good sign. It helps you stay grounded. You didn't do this by yourself. You've got the skill, but you've had other folks along the way, starting with your high school coach, Care, help you get to where you are and continued. So I'm excited to see how this develops over the coming years. I think, uh, you know, the one thing that Zach will hopefully avoid that Sam Darnold did not, I mean, the obvious with Darnold is he got in there and then they got a new GM and they got a new coach and they wanted their own guy. So... How much time do you get to figure this out? If Darnold takes off, he wouldn't be the first quarterback who wasn't an immediate success but then figured out something later on. And, you know, your mid-20s, if you hit it right, you can still play in the NFL for a long time. You know, Drew Brees just wrapped up his career, and, you know, he was clearly, you know, the his career move after five years uh, to the Saints and getting with the right coach. I mean, he just he took off. So Sam Darnold is 23, and best of luck to him, but it's yeah. Zach Wilson's show now. It is. Uh, you also heard in there uh, from some of the other voices of the draft, that was Mac Jones getting booed because he said the Patriots, referencing the Patriots, the greatest franchise in uh, the NFL. So, you know, if the draft isn't in Boston, you're going to get booed because <laughs> nobody else is pulling for the Patriots and the evil empire. Well, they are. He slid all the way to 15. And uh, the, they get their guy, and they didn't have to trade up. Now, maybe they wanted to trade up and just felt like the price was too big. Certainly the Bears paid a high price to move up to a number 11 spot and get their guy. Uh, so, you know, field slips, and they wanted the Ohio State kid, and so they move up to 11, and they move four picks, including the number one this year and the number one next year, to get there. But if you got your franchise quarterback, then everyone will think that was the best thing you ever did. Yeah, you know, he slid. There's some uh, people, selections, they weren't interested in a quarterback. Yep. So it was the right spot. And for him, i got to believe he's ecstatic. Uh, You're going to a winning organization, that's a fact. And, I mean, I could strongly argue that the best franchise in NFL history, certainly in the last 25 years, I don't think there's any question about that. So he's going to get an opportunity, man. See what he can do. If you would have told him probably when this time last year that he'd be a top 15 pick, he would have been ecstatic. So how does Trey Lance get passed over by the entire Big Ten, end up at North Dakota State, and then end up the number three pick with the Niners, who went to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo? No matter how much you cool on him, he, he was your quarterback, and you were in the Super Bowl. You were not that far away from winning it all, but they're investing in a young quarterback, so either they've really cooled on Garoppolo or they just think Trey Lance is all of that and you can't afford to pass on him. Well, Garoppolo has a big-time injury history, 
staying on the field has been a problem for him. It so has. You have to be prepared for that, and, and they believe that they see something in Lance. So we'll see. I just found it funny, man, all these booger and these guys. Oh, the, the media market going to go forward with uh, with Zach Wilson. How is he going to handle the media market? Nothing about Justin Fields going from – Columbus, where, uh, yeah, they were breaking that story about that coaching domestic abuse. Oh, no, they weren't. They didn't have it. And so I don't think that Columbus is nothing, a big, great media market. And so it just, we, we, we pick on stuff. And the point I bring up is that Zach Wilson didn't play anybody. Well, Trey Lance literally didn't play anybody. <laughs> he played one game. But that didn't mean anything. These people who are experts with the Niners, they feel like he's their guy or he's got the skills. So. Good on them for doing it, and we'll see if this kid can develop. And then we hear from the Packers GM who says he's not trading Aaron Rodgers, which is what you say right up until the Sengia trade him. Now, Rodgers and all the news breaking yesterday, and he's reportedly unhappy, and Adam Schefter had it at ESPN, and other people picked up on it. Uh, I just can't help but think that he wants a contract extension. And he gets a three- or four-year extension worth a hundred and whatever million dollars, and he may not love it there, and he may not love some of the decisions that they make, whether it's drafting or on the field or whatever, but he'll be happy. On the other hand, maybe this is just one more rumbling before he inevitably moves, the way Tom Brady moved, the way Peyton Manning moved, the way so many big-time quarterbacks move at the end of their careers. And you can go back through the generations, Montana, Unitas, all the Namath, a bunch of big-time quarterbacks with Super Bowl championships. Van Brocklin. Have moved. Hadel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now people will look up Hadel. Hmm, how do I spell that? H-A-D-L. You're done. I don't even know who you played for. (laughs) Chargers and Rams, among others. Didn't win a Super Bowl, but he was a player of the year or something. All right, uh, Yach, we got people want to weigh in? Ben wants to weigh in on the NFL draft. Yes, Ben, what do you have? What do you want to complain about, Ben? I'm not complaining about anything. I was actually just calling to say – what PK's actual stance of someone in New Jersey, do you think they're actually going to make him win more than 50% of their games? What's the question? Is Who's going to make him win? Yeah, they, they drafted Zach. Uh-huh. They have him now in the Jets. Uh-huh. I know it's New York, but let's be honest, it's in New Jersey. Yeah, it is. Is he going to win 50% of his games? Uh, next season, uh, career-wise, where what what what's the parameter? Either or. Well, it, I, man, it, if they went eight and eight next the season, he's rookie of the year, and this coach is Meadowlands. I agree. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. If he went, they went two and fourteen for with a rookie quarterback, and they go eight and eight, and they would be ecstatic, man. Uh, thanks for the call. I don't know what he's going to do. I can't say that, man. I like his possibilities. That's the best I can offer. I would love to be able to say this kid's a surefire this or that. But you don't, you just you don't dare. You don't dare. There's no point in crawling out on that limb. No, I mean, no, I can't. I can't. There's too many variables that are involved, and a lot of the variables don't even involve him. So he could be all that. But if everything around him sucks and they're going in every which direction, I don't know about that, man. It, that's what I'm saying. It's just going to be so fun to see it play out. And when we get to September, 
I'm probably going to get the NFL package so I can watch Zach Wilson. Oh, I think we're going to see a lot of him here. I don't know that you're going to have to have that to see him. Now, if you want to see every game, sure. But uh, one thing I saw last year, because there were all these questions about, you know, Broncos, Raiders, who's going to own this town? Well, when you track the whole season, and you know the NFL doesn't just look at the regional games, even though they got to make that decision every week. But when you look at all the games that are available, you could see three-quarters of the games or more for the Raiders, the Broncos. Okay. Uh, I think the Saints came in at 11, so they may not have gotten to, to three-quarters. The Chiefs, uh, you know, the Packers were on 10 times. I, I think we're going to see a lot of Jets games here. Good. And the Jets play the Broncos, Good. so circle that one. Well, I mean, Channel 2 used to be something I could believe in, and then they canned me, so <laughs> I've got to tell you. The Jets play the Jaguars. If you don't think those two are going to play a primetime early in the year before they get hurt, uh, that, that's got Monday night week two or three written all over it, doesn't it? Let's see the two young quarterbacks go at it. Sure, I like it. Yeah. So I think they're going to play. The Saints were on TV here a ton with Taysom Hill. The Saints play the Jets this year. i got to believe uh, the game's in New Jersey. If it's not a uh, primetime game, I would think uh, there's a pretty good chance that ends up on a, on a regional Sunday broadcast here in Utah. So I bet, we, I bet we see a fair number of Jets games this year. As long as he stays healthy and he's starting, obviously. Which I think starting seems, with the Darnold move, like oh, it yeah, ought to they have two other undrafted right, guys yeah, on. It's got to be him. All right, let's go to the phones and Rick and take our chances with him. Rick, what do you have? Zach Wilson. Um, Thanks, Rick. Good he, call. He, <laughs> he benefited from COVID like no person on this earth other than billionaires in the stock market. Oh, I was about to say, Bezos did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. The reason being, as you know, what, five big five school games canceled, right? If they play those five, do you honestly think BYU was any better than a bad Utah team? Yeah, but they're looking they for quarterbacks. How does They're looking for quarterbacks. How does he look? He went to Tennessee – and they right. won. He beat SC at home in overtime. The team wasn't as good those years. I think we can all agree on that. They had too many guys back. Whoa, 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 whoa. The team Where's wasn't as good schedule? that year. It was the same year. Those games were back-to-back, actually. Remember, North Dakota State was undefeated because they were way better than their competition. But if they go to Big 5 football, they're 4-10. and 10. Same thing with that BYU team. They were better. They had a good offensive line, a great quarterback, two good receivers. But when you play Big Five schools, you go right through the depth immediately. We know they don't have any depth, okay? And then you get a 500 team. So my point is, Wilson goes two and three in those Power Five games, and you got Jordan Love in the second round or whatever. You know, he's, he is, if you've watched him, he's played three very good defenses, USC and Utah twice. He's got scrambled eggs and tries to be a hero, when things get chaotic, and he's not good. And I'm not a BYU basher. I bash it equally on everybody. Now, the Jets, I think, have turned it around with this new management, and they got a ton of picks. They've got money. So the situation's right for him. but I think there's he may be the bust in the first round. Oh, I think there'll be more. Thanks for the call. I think there'll be more than one bust. I don't think four of the five quarterbacks are going to pan out. Five of the top 15 were QBs. If four of five pan out, then PK, we're going back to that, uh, what was it, the 83 draft with Marino 
and Elway, and uh, you know there were five first Jim rounders. And, yeah, like Ken O'Brien was the quote unquote bad quarterback, and he won ten games in playoff. Oh wait, games, he so. went to UC Davis, he didn't he? He Did he was an uh oh, that's like Division ten. <laughs> it was at the time it was D two at the time. Yes. Yeah, and I don't think that Zach played Utah twice, right? I think he only played him once. Or did he play him twice? Oh yeah, the second, the first one he did, because it was later in the year. That's yeah. right, and he was the start, and he led by twenty. So was it the defense? They had the big lead, and then uh, Utah scored on on every drive, and, and they were going for it on fourth down at their own twenty five or whatever at the end. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that they the the people who are making these selections are looking at the competition; they're looking at the player. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, your feedback, a lot of feedback on the Jazz and the Suns. We spent a lot of time talking about them and Jazz injuries, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Miki Couture. Mother's Day is May 9th. That's a week from Sunday. Get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Miki Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for our listeners, helping you get a ride for Mother's Day. Get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. PK, we got a lot of uh, a lot of people weighing in here on the Jazz and what they should do and how this should play out. And everybody wants to be the one seed if possible. A lot of people are realizing, well, that may not be possible with the injuries. And I think people largely on board that health matters a lot. And if you don't prioritize that, you're just setting yourself up to get beat. So you better prioritize that. And that's pretty much accepted across the NBA. We're seeing that with the Jazz and the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, The Suns seem to be healthy and rolling, which probably bodes poorly for tonight. Following along, says Jazz could rest several players on the back-to-back and be good in a good position to win eight or nine of the remaining games. Now, if you weren't here for David Locke earlier in the show, do you think David would agree with that? Uh, No, but he tends to be worst-case scenario to set himself up so he's not disappointed. I mean, he's so much connected to the team. We all understand that. Sure, but we've also seen them go 7-6 and in the last 13. I don't think they're about to rest guys and go 8-2. and Oh, I'd agree with that. Right. I don't think there's any questions. So, yeah, to, to answer your question there, the way I look at it, if the Clippers and Lakers are more concerned about health, why shouldn't the Jazz be? Because I believe they're in the same class as those guys. Uh, that's pretty good logic right there. They are clearly prioritizing their health. I will say that Locke surprised me a little bit, and I can't say that he's right or wrong. Um, and I'm leaning towards he's right, that maybe there's more, and there's always the chance that he knows more than he's letting on. Um, but he wondered if Kawhi Leonard was just resting now or if there was something really wrong with his foot, which kind of implies, well, then it might not be really right for the playoffs. Well, yeah, then... I don't think that uh, they would be a favorite. I think they could still win games and even maybe win a series or two. But if that's the issue, then it sucks for them. But who cares? <laughs> People who get to play them care. <laughs> it sucks still for them. Beat them but Good then, and, and so you win one round. Yep. Well, that's one more you got in the bag, right? I, I think the question here is: the Jazz gonna are the Jazz gonna hold on and win enough games down the stretch? Depending on, you know, I don't know the level of expectation because we don't know how many games Conley and Mitchell are going to sit or play or how that's going to work out. But are they going to 
hold on to the one of the top two spots. One looks like it's slipping away, but if they hold on to one of the top two spots, they'd be a pretty heavy favorite in the first round. If you beat the Clippers in the second round, you're into the conference final, and that's a step forward. And they haven't been in a conference final in a long time. I think it's 14 years now. Uh, my question is, are they going to be healthy for the playoffs? And if they're going to be healthy for the playoffs, I expect them to win. Watt says, I hope we win. If we get to the finals with home court advantage, just imagine. I don't know that number two is that big a detriment. I mean, if, if under PK's theory and everything comes in, that they're healthy and they win, if you're two, you get to the conference final, is Phoenix going to be there or not? You could still have home court, so I don't know that you should be getting all worked up about home court in the conference finals now. There's a lot of ways for that to play. One, the Jazz get eliminated, so it doesn't matter. Two, the Jazz get there, and the Suns aren't there, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Man, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Big Al HDMC. Amazing how Carl Malone and John Stockton never missed this many games with an ankle sprain. And he's got the grimacing emojis. Well, you're going to be disappointed if you're going to point to those two. Who's playing 72 games this year? Those guys played 82 in the 82-game seasons. If they didn't, it's because they played 81. Yeah, well... uh... Yeah, sure. John and Carl aren't walking through that door. Not in uniforms. I mean, they could yeah. walk through the door. <laughs> yeah, but I was pointing to the radio studio door. John, John doesn't have a book to sell, so he's not coming through oh, that door. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Darren says, I care enough to hope they win tonight. Not enough that they'll be in a bad mood if they don't. It's been an impressive year, and 1-2 in the West is nothing to be upset over. As long as you have your health. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. When we return on Monday morning, the Jazz will be down to their final eight games on the schedule. Aaron Roderick is going to join us Monday. We'll get some BYU football in, get a little Zach Wilson the Jets, get his take on the weekend. He was back there for the, uh, for the draft. So you got that to look forward to. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. PK, crush it off the tee, okay? I'll try. Excellent. See you Monday.